0: Series called There Is More, and we're talking about a new year and how to live in this reality that God's not finished with us yet, that there really is more to come in our walk with God, and He's he's not through with this yet. And so, I I, I want to uh, take us to the book of Exodus, chapter 16, uh, today and take you to a time in Israel's history where they have just recently been delivered uh, from their bondage and from their slavery. And, and they're they're kind of walking through something that's that's a little bit difficult in their journey, and we get to see their response to it. So Exodus chapter 16 and verse 1, it says this Then the whole community of Israel um, set out from Elam and journeyed into the wilderness of sin. Uh, between Elam and Mount Sinai. Sin's not like the sin, like like bad sin, it's just the name was sin. So I'm I'm not gonna take creative preaching liberty with that one. But It says they arrived there on the 15th day of the second month, one month after leaving the land of Egypt. So one month out of their deliverance, it says the whole community of Israel started complaining. (laughs) Verse 3, If only the Lord had killed us back in Egypt. They moaned. There we sat around pots filled with meat and ate the bread we wanted. Ate all the bread we wanted. So they weren't on the Daniel fast there. (laughs) It says, but now you've brought us into the wilderness to starve us all to death. I want to preach today from this topic, managing your memories. Managing your memories. Can we pray together? Lord, thank you for your word. God, thank you for the wisdom that comes from your word. Lord, teach us today. Lord, teach me today. Lord, we want more of you. God, help us to see... Uh, into your word and be changed today by your power. Help us to see Jesus and be changed forever. In Jesus' name, and everybody said amen. A few years ago, I had the opportunity to go back to the house that I grew up in in Kentucky. We were living in Florida at the time and had went home to see family, and we had a little bit of time, and I grew up in the country. And we, I think the town was about, uh, I don't know, about 700 people, the small town that I grew up in, Kentucky. And we, we grew up in, in, in kind of on some land a little bit out in the country, at least what I remembered it to be. And I'd told Kara so many times about the house I grew up in and, and uh, how big it was and, I mean, all the land we had and, you know, just all those things. And so we had a free afternoon and we went back to the house. And much to my surprise, the house did not, Quite looked like what I imagined what I remembered it to be. it was beautiful, very thankful for it, but it was in no way as big as it was in my memory i don 't know if anybody can kind of relate to that. You go back to some time in your life when you were young and you see the house you grew up in, and it 's like, wow, I just really remembered it a lot different than what i than what it really really was what it really is and and, and this is where Israel was in this journey they had been delivered out of Egypt. And they were on their way to the promised land, but they had a difficulty remembering correctly. They said to Moses, they said, hey, Moses, what have you done to us? Have you brought us out here to kill us? Like, have you brought us out here to kill us? When we were in Egypt, it was like Ruth's Chris every meal. We sat around, I mean, just... Just listen to what like, like we chilled out, sat around, ate all the food that we wanted, all the meat we wanted, all the bread we wanted. The Krispy Kreme hot now light was always on in Egypt. It was absolutely incredible. And you brought us out here to die. And I'm sure Moses was like, say what? What are you talking about, guys? Do you not remember what really happened? See, the reality is, if you don't manage your memory correctly, it can keep you from your destiny. If you don't manage your mind and what you're thinking about, to think about what you're thinking about, then it, it, it can literally take you and stop you in your tracks. Your, your memory can enslave you to your past. That, that God had delivered them out of the land of Egypt, but their own mind kept them enslaved to the past, that they couldn't move forward until first they manage their memory. See, so much of life is not what happens to us, but rather what we think about what has happened to us, how we think about what has happened to us in our lives. And And they missed God's promise for their life, all because they failed to manage their memory. That house experience for me, going back to that house, was really helpful, honestly. Because there are so many times as an adult, I would go in my mind to how big that house was and how nice that house was. And, and literally, it robbed me of the joy of the house that we were living in then. Because I thought, well, it's not as good as how I grew up. It's not as big. It, it, it's, it's, it's not as awesome. It's not as awesome. And it literally had robbed me. And and it was such a good experience for me to go revisit and realize that my memory, I was seeing it from an improper perspective. As a matter of fact, I was still seeing it as a 30-year-old man. I was still seeing from a four-year-old's perspective. See, the house had not changed. So help somebody. But I had. And I was still seeing that memory from where I used to be. And it was hindering me from having joy where I was right now and appreciating the, the blessings of God right now. Your memory can literally be, in a, be a prison that keeps you in your past. But today's a day we're going to get set free. Today's a day where the things that have had us bound are not going to keep us bound anymore in Jesus' name. Because we're going to allow God to help us and to touch our minds. So, how do we know? To your notes today, how do we know we're, we're not managing our memories correctly? Here's, here's the first truth about them they lived in the past. They lived in the past. The past is like a rearview mirror in your car, it's great to glance at, terrible to live in. Try to drive home today in your rearview mirror. Just make sure you don 't leave any um, like around where I leave because I don 't want to be anywhere near you on the road, because it 's great to look at terrible to it 's great to glance at for reference sake, but it 's so terrible to live in because you 'll have a wreck you 'll have a wreck because you 're not truly embracing the future that 's ahead of you and and it 's the same in life if we don 't correctly manage the memories in our own mind and deal with what we 're thinking about then then we too can focus our lives looking in the rear view and we'll have a wreck and not reach the destiny that God has for us. We we, we can live in the past many times in good ways, in the good old days. Anybody ever met a good old days kind of person? Like a, you should have been there. Like my it was amazing. My life used to be awesome. You know, my, my, my dad says the older I get, the better I was. That that, that you, you that, that the good old days, like it, it, you just, you should have been there. It was so awesome. I was awesome. Everything was awesome. Life was awesome. Everything was great. Today, not so much, but ben, then it was really awesome. Everything's wonderful. You should have been there, you know, and, 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 and you live in the greatness of your past. And, and, and many times we can get stuck in a season that, that, was, that was never meant to be our final destination. And, and, and it's, we do this in the good sometimes, where we think it's never gonna be as good as what it once was. We think it's never gonna, my life's never gonna get better than what it used to be. Like there was some season that was amazing For my career or for my family or for my health or for whatever area of my life and we just get stuck in the good old days and we magnify the wrong memory and we get stuck in our past or we can do it in the negative and we we do it as a victim of our past of what someone did to us or we do it as a victim of our own decisions and our own choices And, 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 and the enemy magnifies in our memory our own failures and our own faults instead of realizing that, 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 that God has a purpose that's greater than our failure, that God has a purpose that's greater than our past, that, that God wants to help us to process the past in the correct way so that we can understand that our past does not define our future, that we may have done what the devil says we did, but we're not who the devil says we are. We're a child of the Most High God, that our past does not define us. And even as good as God's been in our past, he's even better in our future. The Bible says that God can go from faith to faith and glory to glory. That's simply to say you can look forward to your future as long as you're walking with God. You can look forward that your best days and your most blessed days are not behind you, but they're ahead of you as long as you'll manage that memory correctly. I got thinking about Moses and how I believe God gave him a staff, that stick, that God used supernaturally to help him manage the memory of his own failure. Moses picked up that staff after 40 years of failure in his life. He was wandering in the wilderness, far from the purpose of God, and God meets him in a burning bush, a bush that, would not, a bush that burned but didn't burn out a bush that burned and didn't burn out. Uh, God, God, uh, B- God spoke to a man who was a burnout from a bush that would never burn out. Hallelujah. Aren't you thankful God doesn't burn out even though we can burn out from time to time? Aren't you thankful that even though we have seasons where we got burned out and we thought the plan of God was done with us, God says, no, you may burn out, but I'm never going to burn out. So take your shoes off and stop running. And it's time to embrace the calling that I have on your life. Amen. Amen. And so he said, take your shoes off, stop running. And, God, and Moses said, God, how could you use me? Look at all my problems. Look at all my situations. And he said, well, what do you have in your hand? He said, oh, 40 years of failure. That's all I have in my hand. And it's represented in this shepherd's stick. He says, well, why don't you just throw it down? And whenever he threw it down, that ordinary stick turned into the miraculous. And then he said, "Now pick it up again. And God used that Stick time and time again part the Red Sea bring water from a rock all these things God did in his life through the very thing that represented 40 years of failure in his life come on here's the reality I believe God gave that to him to, so that he would remember correctly his own failure because I think the biggest problem that Moses would face was, would be to move forward even though he had failed God along the way That in our lives, the biggest deterrent to our own destiny is that if we will elevate the failure in our own memory instead of being propelled by the vision that God has for us in our future. And God gave Moses a constant companion of that staff and said, because you would naturally think that represented his failure, God would say, well, do get rid of it. But rather, God says, won't you hold on to it? So every time I call you to great things, you'll remember what I've done for you. Instead of taking your failure and you'll ele- and le- allowing the enemy to elevate it, you'll realize God can even take your greatest failure and make it your greatest blessing. That God could take your greatest problem and turn it into your greatest opportunity and turn it into a tool. So could I say this in here at this third service today? Is it could it be the very thing that the devil thought he was going to destroy you with? That God wants to use that to make the greatest difference that you've ever made in your life. If you remember his faithfulness greater than your failure. Amen. Amen, amen, amen. amen. So, 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 so Moses had this encounter with God. That, that, that God used Moses. That God spoke to Moses. And Moses gets to this place where he was living in his past. But God had a future that was greater than his past. If you don't watch it, your own mind will enslave your life. The scripture says in 2 Corinthians 10.5. That the battlefield that we face in life is in our own mind. It's not in the haunted you know, demonic houses, and you know all the stuff we see on television, and the exercise You know, exorc- you know uh, that, that that's that's not the warfare of our life. It's not an external warfare as much as it is an internal warfare that we face in our own mind. That the greatest enemy is the enemy in me. You know what I'm saying? It, it, it's, 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 the, it's the battle that we face between our ears. And if we don't watch it, if we allow our memories to rule our destiny, then we will we, we'll miss out on what God has for us. So 2 Corinthians 10, 5 says, casting down imaginations. Yes. So, so these imaginary things in our mind and every high thing that exalts itself up against the knowledge of God. That's simply to say this, don't trust everything that comes in your brain. Don't believe everything that you hear in your own mind. Because you're constantly gonna be bombarded. That's where the warfare is. That's the enemy drops bombs. He, he knows how to drop a bomb into our mind, into our thinking, a bomb of, of fear, a bomb of, of trouble, a bomb, a bomb of God's not. Enough, A bomb of you've made too many mistakes. A bomb of your failure is final. Just these bombs in our own mind. And and, and the reality is is that we don't need to trust that, but rather we need to trust the word of God. It It says casting down imagination, everything that exalts itself above the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. That's simply to say we should have a prison in our mind where we put the things that do not... Line up with the Word of God, so we should not give wrong thoughts free reign in our mentality. We shouldn't give wrong, wrong memories, wrong ways of perceiving the past space in our mind. But rather, we should cast it down, lock it up, and put it at the feet of Jesus. Uh, one, one, one place in the Scripture it says we demolish arguments. We demolish those strongholds that God has put in our mind. A stronghold is something that set itself up. It's like a building. It's like a it's it's a it's something like a fortress, if you will, that the scripture describes, and it's it's this fortress that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we all have strongholds. It's little things that have a stronghold, and they're in our minds according to the scripture. And it's the word that tears it down. The word the word destroy is simply the word dunamis or where we get the word dynamite it's to, to say that the that the word of god is like dynamite to the men, mental strongholds that keep us from our destiny okay so if i could say it like this if you were to go from this service and say hey i'm gonna spend the afternoon going downtown and i think i'm just gonna i think i'm gonna destroy a building today like, i think i'm gonna push down a building on gay street today like that's what i'm gonna do Really? Yeah, yeah. I, I went to the gym today. I got my muscle milk today. I'm going to go and I'm going to push over that. I'm, gonna, you know, I'm just going to just, just pick one. I'm just going to push over one of those buildings downtown. How are you going to do that with my own bare hands? I'd say, man, we need to have some conversation. <laughs> You've got some issues. Why? Because on our best day, we would never have the ability to demolish something that big with our own hands. But if you were to have another power, if you were to have a, have a stick of dynamite, that dynamite, put it at the base of any, any place what, that, that has power. See, the word of God is the dynamite to the strongholds of our mind. That's why I, 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 I just commend you for coming to church today. Why? Because there's getting dynamite. It's getting put on the strongholds in your mind. And the things that you thought were gonna destroy you, God's word is going and saying, no, your best days are yet to come. God's not finished with you yet. And what's happening? The enemy stronghold is starting to fall down in our lives because of the word of God, because God's not finished with us yet. And everybody said, Amen. That the best really is yet to come. We don't have to live in the past. Christopher Columbus is famous for discovering America, but one of the things that he did, he did it in direct opposition to the popular feeling of the day. Spain's, uh, their whole motto was simply this. Uh, their, their motto was "nay." Plus ultra, which means this, no more beyond. That was on their currency. That was their calling card. Everyone wanted to go to Spain to see the end of the world, essentially, because they thought the world was flat, and there was no more beyond Spain until Christopher Columbus said, we can do it, and he went and discovered something that was beyond, and he came back to Spain, and Spain actually changed their motto, They took the nay out of it, and it just became plus ultra, where before it was no more beyond, plus ultra just simply means more beyond. That the thing that was defined by being the end actually began to be defined by this is the beginning. There is more beyond. And I'm preaching to people here this morning that the devil has told you there's no more beyond your failure. There's no more beyond the good things from the past. I just want to encourage you today and let you know that God has more beyond. If you'll embrace it, if you're open to it, God's not finished with your life yet. Isaiah 54 says, Enlarge your house. Build an addition. Spread out your home and spare no expense. You will soon be bursting at the seams. Your descendants will occupy other nations and resettle and ruin cities. Fear not, you will no longer live in shame. Do not be afraid. There is no more disgrace for you. You will no longer remember the shame of your youth and the sorrows of your widowhood. That's simply to say God has more for you. That God says, Go ahead and prepare for it. Go ahead and start strengthening the stakes. Go ahead and start making a building a baby room, those who are barren. Go ahead and start doing something. Why? Because God's not finished with you yet. I'm not staying in the place of my captivity. God's not finished with me yet. Could you say this with me? More beyond. More beyond. More beyond. More. Here's the second thing that showed that they were not managing their memories is that they were not teachable. They were not teachable. Teachability shows everyone that we are open to the future that God has for us. That you can't learn new things while living in the past. You can't learn and embrace the future while while, while being tethered completely to your past. They were not teachable. They did not want to learn. That's why it's so incredible that someone as knowledgeable and intelligent as the Apostle Paul could say something like this, I have not achieved it. I'm forgetting the past. And I'm looking forward to all that lies ahead. What is he saying? He's simply saying, I'm teachable. I'm learning. God can do anything with a teachable person. But it's very limited what God can do with someone who's not willing to learn something new. No matter how talented you are. No matter how much ability you have. If you have closed your mind to learning anything new, and rather doing your life from memory, you're limiting how much you can step into the more that God has for you. See, it would be amazing if we could just do everything by memory. I learned to play the guitar at 12 years old and spent years learning how to play the guitar. Anyone who's a musician, you can totally identify. You just you, you, you learn things whenever you get young and passionate about, about learning that. You don't just wake up and, and know how to play. It's a lot, of, a lot of calloused hands and a lot of uh, time and, and hours spent learning and growing. And the reality is I can, because of all that time in my past, I could grab a guitar today uh, and, and I could play something for you that that may even be halfway good. But... <laughs> That doesn't mean just because I can do something, that doesn't mean it's something that's necessarily fresh. Doesn't mean it's, it may impress you, but it it, it may not be something that's that, that, that I've recently learned. So simply to say this, I think I think a lot of times we get to a place in our life we're just content being able to impress others with the knowledge of our past, instead of reaching forward to the next thing that God has for us in our future. Like I could quote Bible verses to you up here that I learned whenever I was eight years old. But the reality is the battle that I need to fight today is not gonna be, fought, not gonna be won with an eight-year-old revelation of, of, of who God is. I'm gonna have to step into who I am today and I'm gonna have to wake up today and say, God, I thank you for what I learned whenever I was young. But Lord, I need you to speak to me today. I need you to teach me something today. God, I need to learn today. Like I feel like, I feel like it's so easy as a preacher for me to get up and just regurgitate things from the last 13, 14 years of preaching week after week. But guys, it's never going to be an old worn out word that's gonna allow us to step into our destiny. I felt like God said, tell my people to not do ministry from memory any longer, but rather allow the vision that God has for your future to propel you. Be drawn by the future vision that God has instead of just doing your life and ministry from memory. God has something new for you. There is more. Could you say that with me? There is more. So here's a question. When's the last time you got a new revelation from God? And I don't mean new as in not in the Bible. I'm not, I, just, I mean a personal w- walk with the Lord, a personal word for the year. Any word that you have, just if I could say this on the side, any word that you have or that someone else tells you, you got to make sure that everything lines up with the word of God, but simply to say, God, do something new in me. God, I, I I'm not content with with just seeing everything and, and experiencing everything from what I used to be. I want I want to experience something new, something more for my life. Here's the third way you knew they were not managing their memories is that they spoke death. They spoke death. They said you brought us to this wilderness and we're gonna starve to death. Like we're, we're gonna absolutely starve to death. They were speaking death over their life. You know, it's impossible to have a positive life with a negative mind. And it's, it's really impossible to have a positive life speaking negative words. Because, I mean, the words that originate in your heart according to God's, to God's words. So, so what you say is so important, so valuable. James says that it's like a rudder that steers a ship. Like you could have a massive, massive ship full of cargo, but one small rudder directs the entire thing. So what you say, what I say matters. What I say over my marriage matters. What I say over my sons matter. What I say over this church matters. What I say over my own life what matters. What I say over my future matters. What I say over my body matters. What I say matters. And I think a lot of times it's so easy, especially in our culture of just constant chatter and complaining that of negativity. I, there's not much positive that you will ever uh, experience just by default in our culture just turn on the news and it's like just just you just got to take a shower after you're done listening to it why why because it's just negative it's just words of death and is it no surprise that all the words of death are being spoken over our nation is it any surprise that now we're walk we're having to walk out we're walking out some of these things because the words that we say become the script of our life that, that, that you want to have a positive marriage, you, you're going to have to speak some positive words. It's impossible to, have, had to believe you're going to have a living, uh, you're going to have a living future if, if all you're speaking is dead words over your life. I want to share this verse with you today, Psalm 45, 1. So good. The psalmist says, my heart is stirred by a noble theme as I recite my verses to the king. And he says this, my tongue is like the pen of a skillful, skillful writer. I want to emphasize the word skillful. Is your tongue skilled at pinning your future? Or are you just doing it haphazardly? Think about movies that are, that are produced. The writing, the intentionality, the movies that inspire us, the movies that bring tears down our eyes and make us think and make us dream and, and process. What, what, what happened? Someone Carefully, skillfully pinned every word that became the script to which men and women acted it out and inspired us. And the reality is, is that it's only by skillful processing and skill being skilled at pinning the words that come out of your mouth that, that none of us would want to pay to watch a movie of people just say, well, just say what you want to say. Uh, what's the what's story about? I don't know. Just, uh, why don't you just talk about the weather? Um, you know, Nobody's going to want to sign up for that movie to watch that movie. Nobody's going to pay. Why? Because it has no purpose. Be- be- because it's not inspiring. But God put inspiring skilled words in your mouth and so, so use them for good because you're gonna live out what you say I like to say this at the end of every statement that you make put the, put the words and that's how I want it to be it'll, it'll help you it helps me process what I'm saying when, when you speak negative man I'm, I'm just never gonna get out of this dead-end job and just go ahead and add to it and that's how I want it to be Never going to get good grades this semester, and that's how I want it to be. Never going to find the right relationship, and that's how I want it to be. I'm never going to make more money, and that's how I want it to be. My health problem, I'm never going to lose the weight, and that's how. Just go ahead and put it at the end of it, because that you will be what you say. You will be what you speak. Why? Because it's like a pen of a skillful writer. You are writing the words that you will go and live out. It's the rudder that's steering your future. And, and so they kept saying, oh, we're just going to die. We're, we're going we're gonna to experience death. And do you know what happened? Exactly that. Exactly that. But Joshua and Caleb, we're going to study them in a little bit. They had a different word about their future. They said, no, no, no. We are well able to do what God's called us to do. And God says, you know, in a nation full of over a million people that say, no, we're just going to let them get what they wanted, but I'll give Joshua and Caleb what they were willing to speak out in faith. So you speak it and watch what God does in your future. Don't complain. When you complain, you remain. When you complain, you remain. That complaining will keep you in a place of complacency in your life. That complaining will destroy your destiny. It will cause you to magnify the wrong memory. Maya Angelou said this. He says, if you don't like something, change it. If you can't change it, change your attitude. If you can't, but but whatever you do, don't complain. I'll say that again. If you don't like something, change it. If you can't change it, change your attitude, but don't complain. That's good. Don't complain. Contain the complaints. What would it look like for a day? What would it look like for one day, 24 hours? So tomorrow morning, I'll see you at prayer, okay? 6 a.m. And, and, and until then, or I'll see you online. We'll wave to you in the morning. If you watch online. What would it look like if until 6 a.m. tomorrow, you restrained yourself from complaining? Just what would it look like? Just just a test. What would it look like if from this moment on we said, okay, for the rest, until 6 a.m. After 6, complain all you want to. But what would it be? I dare you to watch what God will do. So we said Joshua and Caleb, they connected, they they were able to enter into the promised land when everyone else missed it. So, So why were they able to do that? I just want to get really practical today before we go. I want to start with number two instead of number one because the message notes were printed before I was completely done, but that's all right. (laughs) We're going to go with it. Here's number two. Move Move toward your calling. Move toward your calling. Joshua and Caleb made it when they were called to go spy out the land. They said, we can do this. While everyone else all... The ten other spies, they were outnumbered. But the ten other spies says we can't said we can't do it. But Joshua and Caleb had a calling. If I could say this: that if you are operating by faith, don't be surprised if other people around you don't get it. Don't be surprised if you're surrounded by people, maybe even so-called Christian people, that, that that you're speaking life when they're speaking death. Don't don't just don't be surprised because they were outnumbered, but two. Versus over a million was a majority because the two had God on their side. Amen? So, so move toward your calling. Move toward your destiny. Uh, that, that, that each and every one of us have a call. That, that That one of the greatest gifts that God ever gave to us was a calling. I feel like one of the greatest gifts my family ever gave to me was... The, the, the reality that there was a call on my life. I can't tell you how many times I can remember my parents telling me, Brandon, there is a call on your life. From the time that I was a very small boy, they would say, you are a leader. There is a call on your life. God has called you to do great things. And they would speak this over me as a child. That, that there was a, and, 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 and I didn't get it. There were years and years where I was not. I mean, I was so far from that calling. But, but it never left me that that was spoken over my life. If I could just encourage parents in the house. Let your kids know that they're not here by accident. But there's a divine reason. There's a divine calling that God has on their destiny. Why? because a calling will sustain your life when nothing else will. It's the highest form of living. I don't even understand how people live without a sense of calling and destiny. When we felt called to move here from Florida over the last three years, there's been hard days as there are hard days in all of our lives. And there's been days on those dark seasons where I've literally walked down the gay street and I've stood at the spot where I felt like God called me here. And I've just remained standing on that calling because sometimes you just have to stand on a calling whenever everything else isn't making sense whenever everything else isn't looking like it's going in the right direction you can stand when no one else agrees with you you can stand on a calling so 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 are you living from a sense of calling callings are not just for people that stand on stages it's not just for pastors callings are for everyone the scripture says you are a chosen generation. You are a royal priesthood. You are a holy nation. You are peculiar people. What was, what, was, what was God saying? It says every person has a calling. That God didn't make any person in this room, young or old. He didn't make you junk. He, he made you with a calling and a destiny. And we want to help you find that. That's our prayer as a church. We've structured this whole church, not just so that you come, give, you know, sit down, give some money and leave, and then just come sit down and do just do that so you can be a spectator. We envision a church full of people that are in their calling. We envision a church full of people that are not in the stands, but they're on the field. And when we come together on Sundays, man, it's like a family reunion where we share the stories of what God's doing in our calling outside of this place. And we come together and celebrate what God's doing and changing lives as we're called above all the call. Above all, the call. Never forget the call because God never forgets about it. You may have forgotten about the call because of a failure in your life, but I want you to know God's never forgot about the call. Romans eleven twenty nine. And in the message paraphrase says this, God's gifts and calls are under full warranty. You ever bought something that's under warranty? You ever had something that's got a warranty attached with it? We bought some, some inner ear monitors, and, and and Jason, we were talking about, he said, hey, we gotta get the warranty. Absolutely, we need the warranty. Why? Because life it gets hard, and stuff gets dropped. And God says, I want you to know the calling that I gave you. It's, it's not so fragile that you can, you can ruin it by your mistake. God says, it's under full warranty. Like, you make a mistake. My gift, my calling, I, I made a choice, and I'm not gonna change. I love you, I believe in you, and even your greatest failure can't stop my love from pursuing you. He says, God's call is under full warranty. Never canceled, never rescinded. What a God. What a God, what a God who says, my call on your life is greater. My call on your life will last you through some dark seasons of the soul. When your memories get all out of whack, keep your calling in the forefront of your mind. If I could just encourage some people here at this third service, take go take a trip this morning in your mind to the memory of where you first met Jesus. Take a, take a moment before you leave. We're gonna sing together. As we sing, why don't you just kind of forget about... what around you and take it back to where you first met Jesus. Take it back to where you first felt called. Remember those hot tears that would roll down your face and you said God would you save me? God would you use me? Go back to the place of your calling and keep it in your memory Joshua. That's how you're going to make it. Here's the first thing we are gonna. We went to two and we're going to go backward to one then we're going to go to three. Here's the first thing. Forgive those who have hurt you. Forgive those who have hurt you. How are you going to make it? You got to forgive. You got to forgive. You got to forgive some people along the way. If you're going to make it to your destiny. You you, got to let it go. You got to forget. You got to forgive. I think Joseph in the scripture is such a picture of this. There's probably not a person other than our Lord and Savior Jesus. That experienced uh, more betrayal and more hurt and more pain. But kept his faith. And kept going forward to his purpose. Joseph is the picture of Jesus. He's an example. There's more written about him in the Old, more chapters about him in the Old Testament than any other story. And before he reconciled with his brothers, God did a work in his life. If I could say this everything does not have to be right with everybody for you to go ahead and forgive people right now. He said this he had two sons, Joseph did. So powerful. He named his first son Manasseh. And then he named his second son Ephraim. It says in Psalm 41, 51. He named his firstborn Manasseh and said, It is because God has made me to forget all the trouble of my father's household. And to forget the betrayal. The second son he named Ephraim and said, It's because God has made me fruitful in the land of my suffering. His first, his first son means I've forgotten. Forget. Second son means I've been made fruitful even though I'm still betrayed. Church, if I could encourage you with this, you can't ever be fruitful until you first are forgetful. Until you first forgive some of those people who the enemy has caused you to carry around in your memory. See, when you have bitterness in your life, you live in a prison of your own mind and and people can even die. But they're still very much alive, the pain and the abuse and, and the hardships and the hard words. And, and, and even though they may not even be on this planet anymore, they're still elevated in your memory. And if I could just encourage you today, God wants to make you fruitful, but before He can make you fruitful, first you gotta forgive and forget the people that have hurt you along the way. And if, forgiveness does not make those other people right, forgiveness just makes you free. Forgiveness makes you free. Freely forgive. Why? Because we've been freely forgiven. We don't forgive people because they deserve it. We forgive people because we didn't deserve to be forgiven. We don't forgive people because they even said, Will you forgive me in the right way? And made, you know, and made the perfect um, you know, apology. That's not why we forgive people. We forgive people because they forgave us. We forgive people because they forgave us. Forgive because there is more. Here's the third thing. Don't do life alone. Don't do life alone. Get around people that see you the way God sees you. Get around people that can help you with your memory. Get around people who can speak some right things over your life. Joshua and Caleb, I think it's interesting that it was two, of the, it was two guys. It wasn't just one guy, it was two. Because we need each other. The scripture says in Ecclesiastes that two are better than one. So don't be that kind of person that just comes to church late and leaves early. Don't. Why? Because you may not need it right now, but before long, you're gonna need some friends in faith that you can intertwine with. And when your memories and your mind gets all out of whack, they can encourage you along the way like we need each other church we really do we need some people we can call on when stuff's going on in our life that we don't understand we don't need just some church gathering which is wonderful we need to be the church like be this group of people that are in love with Jesus and in love with people because my memory my mind gets all messed up whenever I get alone Man, there can be times I can be here at church. Any church is creepy when you're in the dark alone. I don't know if you've ever experienced that before. Even church in a warehouse. I walk in here. I'm like, who's in the who's in the darkness? And then I go, Jesus, I'm gonna run really fast. But you get some people with you. You can walk in here with some swagger. You know, it's like I ain't, I ain't afraid of nothing. That's why we need each other. Because the dark gets scary whenever you don't have a friend. See, the biggest, strongest man in this place needs a friend sometimes. We all need a friend. We all need people that can help. I thank God for my friends. I thank God for people that encourage me when I'm down. Don't do this life alone. Don't process it alone. Connect lead There's some of you, God's calling to lead a small group. We have trainings that, we have a training tonight and then two more throughout the week. God's calling you to be that connector. You're called to be that gatherer that helps facilitate community. I'm, this church is so far beyond what I can pastor that we need, we, we need us together to create this environment where we can work together and walk together and help each other and connect and God's put gifts in you that God wants to use and passions in you that he wants to use to help people get connected and here's the fourth thing stay in love with God you're gonna manage your memory stay in love with God don't just stay knowledgeable about God do that that's wonderful that's wonderful Stay in love with God. Stay at that place of a relationship with God. Where you're growing in your intimacy with Him. This month, we'll be, I'll be married to my wife. Actually, next week, next Sunday. it be 12 years. I'll tell you, there's still things that I'm learning today, 12 years later. How much more, when it comes to our walk with God... Is there more that we can experience in His presence? Is there more that we can know? John chapter 14 verse 26. I'll leave you with this today. Speaking of the Holy Spirit. It says, But the advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything that I've told you. Part of the Holy Spirit's job in our life is to help us with our memory. Part of the Holy Spirit's job in our life is to elevate the words that Jesus has spoken over us louder than the words and the voices of our past. That's why we need the Holy Spirit. That's why... I just commend you that you're a church that, knows how, that that believes in worshiping God with all your heart and responding. You preach with me today. I just thank you for doing that and being such a responsive church. Why? Because what, what are we saying whenever we do We're saying, God, I want more. And what, what happens when you get out of yourself and you get out of the kind of East Tennessee religiosity mode and when you get into this place of a, God, I don't just want to know more about you. I want to touch see, see, see a, 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 a just a teaching maybe will inform you but a touch will transform you and we want to be a church not just where the teach we absolutely want the teaching we're gonna open the word but, but more than that God let the teaching lead us to where we have a touch from God that whenever we walk out of here we're changed by the power of God and we're made forever new so that we can step into what God has called us to do amen you received this this morning let's stand to our feet all over the house If you're here today, and you say, Brandon, I need this. I need this. I need this. I needed a reminder today. My memory. I need to manage some of that stuff. I need to take a trip to some places in the past that the enemy's elevated. Or maybe that I haven't elevated enough. The faithfulness of God maybe you need to be like Joshua and set some stones up along the way of memory, of good memory of the faithfulness of God maybe you're like, I need this today because I want to move forward I want to just see your hand all over the house say yes, I'm, I need this, I need this, I need this I'm ready, I want more of God I don't want to stay content where I am I, I don't want to just go through the motions anymore God, I want more of you I want to pray with you Jesus, I just pray right now I just bless your people I bless these people What a God you are that reaches us and reminds us at our darkest hours. Lord, to help us to manage the memories, our mind, our thoughts. Holy Spirit, would you bring to our minds the word of God in our darkest seasons? Holy Spirit, we want more of you. We're not content going through the motions of religion we want to touch we want to be changed today god i pray you would literally transform families that are in this place lord there are people in this room that there's a calling on their life that they had as a teenager and they've ran away from it for a long time, but today's the day where that word is coming back. Today's the day, Lord, where the calling's coming forward, and the enemy, the enemy is gonna not be able to have power over those memories anymore. And they're gonna step into that calling because it's under forewarranty. In Jesus' name, Amen. We're gonna just sing this together. No shadow, no shadow, no shadow. Right now, right now, let's just worship today before we go.